0: All right, folks. So today we are going to answer questions that folks have sent in about non-monogamy, about their relationships. So we're gonna be touching on monopoly relationships, uh, long-distance relationships, jealousy, what to do when your group is falling apart, and more. So stay tuned.
1: You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives.
0: You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life.
1: But isn't that like cheating?
0: We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. Here at Touch of Flavor, we teach non-monogamous folks how to overcome their obstacles and build thriving relationships.
0: This podcast is about answering one question. How do you create loving, passionate, secure relationships outside the box, even if nothing has ever worked before? If you wanna know the answer, you are in the right place.
1: All of this information is 100% free. So please subscribe to and review our podcast.
0: All right, everybody. So today we're going to do something that we haven't done. Uh, not ever, but it's been a while. Yeah. And we are going to do a question and answer episode. So a lot of you probably know we have a um, very large Facebook group, Facebook community. What, what? How many people are we up to you now?
1: About 17,000, almost 18,000. Well, we're past 17,000, getting close to 18,000 at this point.
0: Yeah, and it is just, it's an absolutely awesome group of people who are there. They're looking to build thriving non-monogamous relationships. And uh, just first off, if you're not in the group, you should absolutely join. It's super supportive. We answer questions. We post really great information information. In There like really great resources to help you navigate your non-monogamous relationships. What else would you say is different, Cassie? You spend more time on the Facebooks, but what kind of sets it apart from other non-monogamous okay. Facebook groups?
1: So there's a couple of things. First off, we are really focused on building healthy relationships, which means we don't do the bullshit. We don't do the bickering. We don't do the fighting. We don't do the the silliness that a lot of other Facebook groups do. Like we get to what needs to happen to get your relationship on track and how can you get best supported? Um, so we remove a lot of that drama. Um, we... Aren't partial to any particular style of non-monogamy aside for it being consensual, right? So um we are welcome to all different dynamics and age groups and things like that. So it's a, a very, very diverse group of people. And I would say the last thing is is that um just the conversations are really awesome because we again are really focused on that aspect of making your relationships thrive. So you don't see a lot of like comments where people are like, "Oh, just break up or ditch that person. It's really like, well, what is it that you want? And what is the best steps to get you there?
0: Well, and the other piece I'll say too, is just, this is what we do professionally and what we know how to do. So we also, uh, will tend to point out when people are giving answers that are going to damage people's relationships. So we have that, that aspect of, um, I don't know. What would you say?
1: I'm going to put it in the space. I I think that it is such a place of growth because we are willing to tell you you're wrong (laughs) and point it out and not let it be treated as equal information. Like we will point out if this is going to hurt your relationship, we're going to tell you.
0: Yeah. So definitely, uh, number one, so join our group if you haven't. Um, any platform that you're on, we'll drop a link in the description. So definitely do that. But what we did, we had a whole bunch of people coming in and we just went through like the three, four hundred people who joined this last week and asked them, hey, like, what are some questions you have about non-monogamy? And we got a whole bunch of questions back. So we're going to go ahead, dive into them. Some of them have names, some of them don't. Um, some people wanted stuff anonymous, but we're going to answer them and let everybody kind of get the benefit of the answers. So let's start with Tina. I need help. I have been in an existing poly relationship with a man for five years. Then I met my girlfriend and for two and a half years she lived in another state. And my other relationship was out of sight, out of mind. And the other piece of this that's important that comes later is that the girlfriend is monogamous. So had a relationship, has had a relationship for five years and met a girlfriend. Girlfriend lived in another state, so her relationship with this this guy was out of sight, out of mind. Now, girlfriend has moved there, moved in its interface. It's a struggle. The girlfriend is mono. I need help. So really, at the end of the day, poly-mono relationship, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so you want to start with answers or you want me to?
1: You can go ahead and, and, and start with this one.
0: So the first piece of this is that, you know, this is important to realize, Tina, is so... While you haven't been in a monogamous relationship for your girlfriend, it basically was. And it also isn't entirely clear to me, you know, it says out of sight, out of mind. It's also not entirely clear to me how much she knew, didn't know, that kind of stuff before now. Whatever the situation is, right now she's here, it's in her face, and in some ways... You're kind of starting fresh. And I don't mean you're starting fresh, like whatever conversations you had, if you made it clear before, like obviously that's all in the space, like that's fine. But at the same time, you're in the same spot where anybody would be if they're approaching this, this challenge where one person is monogamous in a relationship and the other person is polyamorous, right? Which is, you have really three options from here. One is which you can continue to just kind of have it out of sight, out of mind, and not discuss it. And You know, that always leads to the buildup of hard emotions given that your girlfriend is monogamous and you're already dating. It would probably be on her part where she's, you know, jealous and resentful and you're not talking about it. That's building, 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 building. And eventually stuff blows up, right? I always tell people that's really the only wrong option is to bury it because that always is messy at the end. And it's always um, creating a lot of pain later for avoiding discomfort now. So that's the one you don't want to do. The other two options that you have are to break up, which. I'm going to assume is not your first option, or you wouldn't be submitting this question. Or you can, knowing the reality that you have another partner, right, that she's monogamous, you can now try and find a way to make that work.
1: Yeah, and the thing is is that, obviously, right now is going to be a bit scary. Because even though you had this other relationship, and it has been there, as Josh mentioned, like it hasn't been in your face, or in her face, rather, Um, so now this is a a thing that now she's going to have to deal with, with one of those options. And, um, it's easy for us to kind of like deal with things in terms of like not paying attention to them when they're not there. It's more hypothetical, but now it's real and it's really going to have to be one of those choices of, okay, so what needs to happen to make this an awesome relationship with us with knowing that. I'm polyamorous, and you're monogamous.
0: So, okay, so you're in that boat where you're like, all right, I want to try and make it work, right? Which I think if you weren't, you probably wouldn't have submitted this question. What are the things to do? Well, number one, like I said, you have to commit to not burying it and to actually dealing with it, right? That process of like burying your head in the sand just, just blows up, okay? So that's the first piece. Second thing is to understand that it is possible for these kinds of relationships to work. And this is really important because the general, story around this in the non-monogamous space is that these kinds of relationships where one person's monogamous and the other is polyamorous do not work and that is just absolute horseshit so when we look at kind of the breadth of our clients and the kinds of people who come to us about half of them have been non-monogamous for a long time about half of them at least one person in the relationship is new to non-monogamy right and then overall about a third so it's a big chunk of that half right about a third of our clients are in what you could term poly relationships, or let's say relationships where one person is much more polyamorous <laughs> and the other person is not as okay with it, right? And that can look like all kinds of different things, but where there's this huge gap in the nomina, you know, in, in what people want as far as monogamy, how okay they are with the monogamy, and we see those work all the time, right? So, so knowing that it is possible. And then from there is going to be either one or both of you have to really commit to doing the work to making this relationship works. Because when I say it is possible, right, and we see a lot of clients succeed in that, those aren't people who like coast through and expect that to be easy and, and it just goes. Like these are people who put in a lot of work, a lot of effort to bridge that gap. So you have to decide that one or both of you is willing, like this relationship has enough there, right? It's worth doing the hard work that it's going to take to bridge that gap.
1: Yeah. And I, I tell folks, you know, like polymono can be one of the most difficult dynamics to, to to handle because you have someone who now is in a position where, you know, it can feel like for them, that they are at a very big loss. So it's about making sure that you really are, or at least, you know, one of you is really, really fighting for that relationship to be a healthy one.
0: And then from that place, it's it's finding the path forward to navigating what that actually looks like. And, and this is not easy, right? And this is why I said, you know, this involves things like <sighs> this involves things like, you know, number one, making sure that your partner is getting what they want and need. Right, helping your partner whether they're doing the work or you're helping them through it, like your partner getting to a spot where they can deal with their feelings. Right, this is really going to involve you being super honest about what you want and what you need, and not, not backing down and refusing to kind of hide that and bury your head in the sand, and and you being open and honest, and then it's going to involve really finding a way, a path forward, um, where you you figure out how can we both have each other. How can we both have each other and to get to a spot where we're both able to be happy and healthy and whole and this relationship, right? And that's easier said than done, but it can happen, right? But I, I think the first piece that I would say to you is just really deciding number one, that you're not going to bury your head in the sand on this. And number two, that you are going to, like I said, like one or both of you is willing to do the hard work, um, you know, put in the time, put in the effort, get the help, like whatever it is that it takes to navigate this forward. Anything else you want to add there?
1: Um, just that, you know, I, just like most non-monogamous relationship, it takes multiple skills, right? It's that balance. And particularly you as the, as the partner who is non-monogamous, right? You really are going to have to t- hone in on those, hone in on those skills of being able to communicate, balancing your time, making sure needs are, are being handled, even more so because your partner is the monogamous one who isn't necessarily exactly on the same exact journey as you.
0: Okay. So let's wrap that one up. Uh, Teresa. Teresa. What is the word for your style of group poly? There's a huge difference between closed triad, as in not open to or playing with other couples and having a focus on your main nesting relationships, but you're not against others happening. Okay. So first off, just to clarify for people, I think Teresa's asking about our relationship. Yeah, us and personally. And for anybody who hasn't been following the show long enough to know what that looks like, we live in a group dynamic it's us it's our partner Amanda we have two kids in the house and then we also have other partners um right now that's more on the casual end of things although that's more like a convenience COVID time constraints than a agreement not open to it constraint right um So, let me kick this over to you, Cassie, because you're much more down with, like, the lingo. Down with the lingo. Down with the lingo than I am, like, is there actually a specific word for
1: that? I'm not sure. So, I mean, I think technically, technically, as technical as terms are, first off, folks, like, everybody uses terms differently. Don't get too hung up on that. But, like, technically, I think what we would be considered is, like, an open triad. I think that would be, like, what our like, most dynamic fit would be, right? Um, and I say that because, like, we are nesting partners. We all live together. That's what nesting is. We're a triad. We're all together. Um,
0: I like throuple better than triad.
1: Throuple. I. I a lot of people hate that because it's so cutesy. I think it's adorable. Um So for me, I've actually been using my own thing when I'm talking to clients, like our clients, and and, in kind of a joking way. I say this is my home base. This is my home base relationship. Like some people have like the anchor relationship. I like home base. It's like when you're playing tag and like you need to get back to like where you're safe, like this is my safe space. This is like my amazing, awesome relationship where I get to go back to the people I love and like everything I need is there. Um, so I don't know for me, it's home base, but I I guess we would fall into like nesting anchor triad Open. I don't know.
0: Here's the other thing. I just want to throw in here though I do want to just use this so it's a cool question Um, and we're happy to answer but I do just want to use it as a teachable moment you know one thing that we when we're working with folks talking to folks that we see is we love labels so much in non-monogamy Right. And and there's almost like two camps of people. There's like relationship anarchists who don't like any label except relationship anarchy, which is a label. Right. And then there's like another camp of people who like really like to slap labels on everything and and the relationships. And listen, like it's it's a normal human thing to want to find labels. It's a convenience thing. You know, it, it's a place of just being, you know, like even just defining who you are and what you are. It's a shorthand. And It's really convenient. So, you know, I'm not downplaying why we use them, but at the same time, when you're having any serious conversation, right, beyond just like in passing, and especially when you're talking to your partners or people who are interested in being potential partners or stuff like that. It's really important, you can't rely on labels. Like you have to really actually have discussions about what we want this relationship to look like, right? Like what are the expectations? What do we want? What are we giving? What are we looking to get? Where are we willing to let this grow? What are the interactions we wanna have with each other? How do we wanna interact with our partners, partners? You have to actually have all these discussions rather than just relying on labels.
1: Yeah and, and we tell folks this every day and that's it's super important to have those things clear. And I think beyond that just find what works best for the the, the lesser conversations, right? Like if someone's like, "Oh, who 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 is this partner and what are these you?" If it sits right with you, then then use that, right? Like if nesting partner fits better, use that. If if
0: We're not recording. Partner,
1: no.
0: Oh, yeah, we are. Oh. Sorry.
1: <laughs> we are. Um, the
0: recording icon disappeared for a minute. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, did we just go through 16 minutes of unrecorded show?
1: No. Um, but anyway, going back to that the question, the reason why you're asking this is because you're interested in, in this. And that was kind of a little bit of a side conversation with the person's question. And the answer is find the title that, 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 that works for your relationship and use that.
0: All right. So our next question, we we got two that are very similar. So we're just going to answer them together. So Katarina, and by the way, anybody as going through here, if we botch your names, I apologize. I can only go off how they're spelled. Mm -hmm. Katarina, how do I get past the feeling that my husband will leave me if I date when it's already been discussed that it's okay? Um, You know, these these are actually kind of different now that I'm looking at them. Let's answer these one by one. They're... One, because this first one, even though they're very similar and they're only slightly different, this first one is a question about worry about my husband. And then the second is a question of worrying about losing my partner. And it's actually a a little, like, so one's like my partner's jealous and one's I'm jealous. And those are actually a little different. So you want to start with Katarina's question?
1: Sure. So how do I get past the feelings that my husband will leave me if I date? when it's already been discussed. So here's the thing. There's going to be big emotions that come up when you open a relationship and it comes down to knowing that the foundation of your relationship is strong. It's knowing that these feelings and emotions that come up are just that they're, they're the emotions. They're us kind of growing past What we've done for a very long time. But if you're really concerned about, you know, if your husband, that feeling your husband's going to to leave is true, it's looking at your relationship and and seeing what is the stability there? What is the, the makings of our relationship? Is our relationship actually grounded to where we can handle some of those emotions and feelings and fears that are coming up because, as you said, he's okay with it. He's already agreed, um, but you're worried that later on there's going to be things that come up.
0: So kind of two things here. So first off, and I do just want to draw an important distinction um, because you said, you know, he said he's okay with it. But the question doesn't actually say that. The question says it's been discussed and it's okay, which doesn't actually mean partner's okay with it.
1: I meant he he agreed to it as well. Right.
0: Right, but I just wanted to draw that. That's an important distinction for this question. And there's... Okay, so a couple things here. So number one, I have a really firm belief, and this is something that we work with our clients on all the time. I have a really firm belief that my partners are all adults. And what that means is that if my partners agree to something and they say something's okay it's my job to treat them like an adult and not to second guess and try and draw agreements based on what I'm worried they might actually possibly be feeling and thinking instead of what they've actually told me is okay. And this is something that we, we coach our clients on all the time because you know, doing this any other way, it's impossible to have really solid relationships and, and solid agreements that work for everybody. If you're in a spot where you're constantly second guessing everything that your partners say to you, but, and this is a really important distinction While that is critically important to learn in your relationships, that does assume a certain stable base and foundation to begin with. You know, I said we work on this with our clients, but we do this after we've done some work on the stability of the relationship as a whole, on their communication, on their connection to the point where we know they can actually have these conversations and actually get a straight answer, right? And that they're stable enough to survive the bumps that come from if their partner is maybe not 100% honest in that conversation. Especially since we're not always working with both partners. Right? So we might be helping somebody and then we don't have their partner here to work on their partner being straight up in a conversation like that. So this is why this is really important. Right? Is because while the ideal thing would be to go, okay, my partner said, yes, let's do it. You really need to question for yourself. I have a feeling my partner will leave me and I, I'd ask you why. Why do you feel that way? What is the reason? And I'm willing to bet that you know the answer to that question. And if you look at that and you're like, eh, you know, I think I just feel that way just because this is what we've always done, that's fine. But if you're like, I I have that feeling because of the way my partners acted about this so far, I have the feeling because I know we don't know how to do this and I'm worried we're going to hit a landmine. I'm, I have that feeling because my partner's already seemed jealous. I have that feeling because our relationship is really already unstable and throwing something else on here could mess things up. That's not a feeling. That's a reason. Right, this isn't a feeling that your husband will leave you. That, that that at that point becomes a reason to believe that your partner might leave you, and maybe a reason with some good evidence behind it. So, and this does kind of wrap into the next question. But for you, Katarina, what's going to be crit- critical, you know, and, and we can we can talk about getting past feelings here in Frank's question. But I always want all of you not just to work on getting past the feelings of something without actually looking at the situation and making sure there isn't anything else that needs to be addressed. That's the difference between feeling secure and being secure. So uh, the first thing that I would tell you, Katarina, is to look at the feeling and to go, is it is it really just a feeling or if there's something else here? If there's something else here, you need to address that first. If you look at that and it really truly is just a feeling, then the, the short answer is the way you're gonna get past it is by doing it and having it go okay but you really need to look at that other question first. Anything you want to throw into that or do you want me to wrap Frank's question on? I
1: think we can wrap Frank's question.
0: So Frank's question is almost like the opposite side of this question. I'm wondering, will there always be that feeling of possibly losing your spouse because of her relationship with the other person?
1: And this goes back to sort of flipping this on its head, which is, you know, looking at your relationship, right? Is, is there a reason why your partner may not want to put time into your relationship or stay in this relationship if, if she's getting something met elsewhere? Are there needs? Are there things in your relationship that aren't working that was already pushing your partner away before having another partner?
0: Yeah. Anytime there's jealousy and insecurity in your relationship, there's two pieces, right? There's the feelings. There's just the feelings of like, ah, there's no reason for this and I just have these emotions because I'm human and I need to deal with them rather than venting them into the relationship in an unhealthy way where I'm damaging this, I'm creating distance, I'm pushing my partner away or even into somebody else's arms, which is a very common worry in your shoes, by the way, Frank, is, and I don't know if that's it for you, but so often what I hear, it's not just I'm worried I'm gonna lose my spouse, it's I'm wondering if I'm feeling jealous I'm already worried about maybe losing my spouse. And now because I'm jealous, I'm lashing out. I'm creating distance. I'm pushing my partner away and I'm pushing them closer and closer to this other person. Right? So there's the feelings that you you have to deal with. Um, But the other piece of this, again, is you always need to examine that, that feeling of jealousy or insecurity first and ask yourself why. Because really what we wind up with is there's like, this iceberg where the feelings are the bit above the surface and then the reason, there's all these reasons below. So why are you worried about losing your spouse? Again, is it because you don't know how to do this? Is it because you've tried this before and it's gone really poorly? Is it because you are watching this person and they're getting a whole bunch of things that you want and need but aren't getting it? Is it because your partner seems like they're not interested in you and they don't want to do stuff with you and they don't want to be intimate with you but they're jumping at the chance to do it with this other person? If that's the case you have to deal with those first. And you know you, you can get through the feelings. Like Those feelings don't have to be there, but those feelings will always be there until you first address the reasons why those feelings are there. It's only once those feelings are, or the, the reasons are handled, the stuff below the surface is handled, that you can really then sit back and just learn to cope with your feelings. You know, I, I tell people this all the time, but Just as a really easy example, if Cass and I are in a relationship and I've been asking for dates and time for years and her answer is always, no, I'm too busy. I don't like doing that. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like going out to restaurants. Like it's really boring. I have so much stuff to do. And then now she has a new partner and every night she's like, Hey, man, we're going to this great restaurant. Like it's amazing. I'm so excited to go with this person. Like let's do it. You're going to feel bad. Like there's nothing that's going to make you feel great about that until you've actually dealt with the problems first and foremost that you're not getting what you want and need. So the answer is that feeling doesn't always have to be there, but you have to actually look again and see what are the reasons that you're feeling that way and to address that. And then you can deal with the feelings. We work with our clients. We get the reasons out of the way first, and then we deal with the feelings because only then, only when you've removed everything else and there's nothing left but the feelings, can you really now eliminate the feelings and get them gone? Does that make sense? What else?
1: I think that's a big part of it. Right. And then from there, just checking in with yourself, right? Like, is this, am, am I getting better? Or am I getting worse? Right. Am, am I, am I getting to a place where these negative emotions are decreasing or are they getting worse and worse? And if, if they're getting worse, it's definitely not a place to sit. Like if you can't figure out like if you're stuck and you're like, I don't know if this is me or if this is something else or, or what the combination is, but I notice that these emotions are, are becoming heavier and this fear is becoming more and more. That's time to like look for answers. It's the time to look for advice or, or, or start trying something new. It's definitely not a place to sit.
0: All right. Good. So our next question is anonymous. I'll let you start with this one. We have been open of some kind for nine years. My husband and I never had a problem with each other seeing people. But now he's been with his current boyfriend for a year. And his boyfriend still refuses to be in the same room as me because it makes him uncomfortable. Even though, according to them, I've been nothing but sweet and caring. It feels off. Our community around here pretty much assumes it means they don't that they want a don't ask, don't tell situation or shady in some way if they're not open to kitchen table. This is a great thing about video. People can see my face as I read these questions. All right, Cassie
1: so here's the thing, right? Like different people operate differently in non-monogamy. And if your metamor is being respectful, and it sounds like your metamor is being fairly respectful. They're saying that you're sweet, you're caring, you're nice. Um, but it's just not, it doesn't feel good for them to be in the same room and share space with you. Then the real question here is, is what, what is it for you? that doesn't feel right is it just that community aspect is it just that this is what you've been told is the ideal right Mm. if if everything else is working which is what you're saying here right like your partner's got this relationship things are fine but you're it it feels off because his boyfriend doesn't want to be in the same room with you right the question really comes down to are you more focused on what you think is supposed to be the right way or are you, you know, is that more important than like what actually works for everybody involved?
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to throw out here that, uh, there's no way to say this is going to come across great, but, our community assumes the community thinks or people think like, I always want you to keep in mind that half the time people are telling you the way should be their relationships are dumpster fires. Like I just straight up. And um, so <laughs> never take any of that with, without a grain of, of salt. Right. And you're not cause you're here and you're asking questions and that's fine. But I just want to put that out there because, you know, I'm reading those. And like I said, I'm sure people who are watching this video can see my face, but like, mm-hmm. It means they don't ask, don't tell her a shady in some way because they don't like, my partner's partner doesn't like being around me. This is one of those like poly myths is that it's this idea of like kitchen table and we should all be able to interact and we should all be able to do this. And you know, the truth of the matter is like some people, that's just not how they roll. And that's fine. Like some people aren't comfortable with watching their partner interact with their other partners, and that's fine.
1: And that doesn't mean anything about you, and it doesn't mean anything about them either, necessarily, right?
0: So so two, two things I wanna separate out here, right? I just wanna say, that doesn't mean that they there isn't something shady or off. I mean, you're, you're the one there in that feeling that, right? And if, if you believe there is, and you really need to look into yourself and, and see what that feeling is what that intuition is and really question that. But it also certainly doesn't mean that they are. It may just mean that they're not the kind of person who likes watching their partners interact with other people romantically, and that's cool. And then the only question becomes, knowing that, what are the agreements that need to be in place for you to be comfortable? I'll give you a very easy example here. You're talking about your husband. I'm assuming you live together, right? I'm assuming the boyfriend of a year does not live together. Could be wrong with that. Otherwise, it's going to be really uncomfortable. But let's just say, right? Well, it's going to most likely, and I'm generalizing here, right? But most likely, it's going to be weird for you to feel like there's rooms in your own house that you can't be in. So maybe if that's the case, then maybe one of the things here that you can talk about with your partner is simply not having the boyfriend over when you're there and also probably not kicking you out so the boyfriend can come over, but then finding a space to interact where it's not going to make you uncomfortable because you now can't go in certain areas of your home, right? You really need to, to, to think and have a conversation about, okay, like they don't want, number one. So number one, question that intuition. See if there really is any reason to think that anything's wrong beyond just his boyfriend not wanting to be in the room with you. And if that is it, then just go to yourself. Okay, fine. So then what needs to be in place to make this work? Do we need to meet differently? Does time need to be adjusted? Because, you know, maybe... Um, maybe there isn't as much time available for your husband to spend with his boyfriend if you can ever be around. I don't know. But what are the th- what are the things that need to be put in place to then make that work?
1: Yeah. And then that's really it. You know, the, the big thing is, is recognizing that our relationships don't all have to look the same. They don't have to be the poly idealistic looking things, right? As long as everybody's being respectful and getting their needs met in those situations.
0: Just talking, we're getting like the sun going off the green here and getting some interesting color stuff going on in this video. It's okay. Awesome
1: sunset going on. Yeah, let me just. Okay. One of the problems with our studio having all the, all windows. the windows. We have a lot of windows in here, a lot
0: of natural light sometimes. <laughs> all right, our next question is from Kylie. I'm someone who is trying to begin my poly journey because i found myself in love with more than one person. I'm in a long distance relationship. Okay, this says LTR like long term relationship but the question reads long distance relationship, so i'm going to I'm in
1: a long term relationship.
0: No, it's but it's going to be long distance. I
1: okay.
0: Cuz it's talking about being away from the other person. So
1: I know this person.
0: Okay, so it's long term? Okay, well then you read the question then. So
1: basically care Kaylee has two partners. She has a long-term partner and she has a long distance partner and she is upset because that, that long distance relationship is, you know, she's not seeing that person and it's upsetting her, but it's negatively affecting her primary relationship that she's having.
0: So we have an LDR and an LTR LDR. in the same yeah. question. Yeah. Got it. Yes. Okay. All right. This is why it's good. Good to have background on some of these. Yeah.
1: Um, So basically what's going on is there is the relationship that is a long distance relationship. And because of that, she's upset and sad. And those emotions are now causing some issues in her relationship that she's.
0: Can you imagine how much easier it must be for people who work with monogamous relationships to do question and answers?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Look, oh. when I'm talking to clients for the first time, I die. I have a, I always have a diagram. Mm-hmm. Always. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: So, so yeah, so the, 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 there's the term relationship. That's, you know, her primary that's being affected by the long distance relationship, um, that she's having emotions. Around. Because
0: she's, having distance because having emotions because it is long distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So what to do when your partner, when you're being separated from one partner and distant from one partner is causing problems in your other relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So this is kind of a like three, three things I would really narrow it down to. And the first is, you know, the recognition that like, when we take on the great responsibility of having multiple partners, right? Like it's like Spider-Man with, with great powers comes responsibility is we have to manage those relationships and there's always going to be some bleed off from our relationships into the other areas of our other relationships. And with that, it's also our job to like mitigate that and to have that effect as little as possible. So there's kind of a couple of things that need to happen in order for it not to. So first, is there anything that you can do with your long your your, your uh, relationship that's at a distance right now to close some of that distance and make you happier? Is there things and interactions that you can have with that person? to actually make you feel better, right? Like, is there things that you can do? Maybe more Zoom dates, maybe it's having more conversations or having, um, more interactions of some kind. Is there a way to close some of that distance gap? The other part is how do I give time to the other relationship without those feelings overflowing. So, how do I do that? How do I keep myself from from bleeding over into my relationship? Well, that comes down to you managing those emotions in different times. Maybe that is going and when I'm really 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 feeling upset, bawling my eyes out over here, so that way when I'm hanging out with you, I'm able to focus, right? Like it's doing the things I need to do in order to be present. And interacting with my partner in a way that's fulfilling for this relationship so it doesn't cause problems. So those would be the things that I would say are sort of the, the the three big things that need to happen.
0: Okay. So I think you, I don't have anything to add. I think you crushed that. All right. So last question is from anonymous. Not sure what to do. I'm in a quad with three men and the last four months I haven't gotten along with Two of my partners, I love them but we argue all the time. I don't feel like they appreciate me and they don't help me out the same way, I help them. All right? And I'm also very jealous of how much those two give to the other partner and I know there's been fights but I have been blindsided. The three of them have come to me and said they would like to give me my share of the house and for me to move out. They would keep the kids here, they have some kids together. They actually went and talked to a lawyer and our bank to see if it was possible and what they had to do to get me off everything. I feel betrayed. They've all said they love me and want things to work someday, but that I'm the center of all the issues and it would be easier for me to leave until I have myself together. Okay. So, and we had had talked about this. So let me, I will start here. Um, But basically, very short term quad live together own a house together have kids together has had big problems with two of the partners which then has also impacted her relationship with the other partner and it's now they want her to leave
1: and she has children with two of the partners yeah so okay so obviously
0: a really tough situation and i am since and i I would never do this with a name on this but since this is an anonymous question I, i feel the call to use this as a teaching moment right? Because even though this is anonymous in terms of on here, the Q and a, they did talk to you. So we do know who it is. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we see happens a lot. And like I said, I feel the need to use this for a teaching moment. How many conversations have you had with this person over the last three years?
1: Oh, uh Six or seven conversations, at least.
0: Okay. Yeah. And this is a thing where things are are rough, but they're not so bad. Things are getting more rough, but they're not so bad. Things are getting even more rough, and they're not so bad. And now, now my partners want me gone. They want to buy me out of the house, and they want to keep the kids. Right? And I'm only saying this because, folks, listen, and this is really critical. So often, and this is such a normal thing that we see, Because for so many of us, we have so much other stuff going on in life and our relationships get put on the back burner and put on the back burner and it's not so bad and we'll address it later and oh, we've just got to handle this. We've just got to buy the house. We've just got to whatever. We've got stuff with the kids. We just got to do these things. We're just going to deal with this later. And then tomorrow never comes. And now it's weeks, months, years down the road. And we're at a point where we're, we're losing what we've got. And We're losing our families
1: and that's really her story, right? Like because we've talked several times over the last year And that's what it was. It was we're buying the house now. I'm having the first baby now I'm having the second baby now this now that and this started with jealousy And issues within the relationship early on
0: and this is the other piece folks And this is this is what's so critical about this, right? is is you need to understand that so often there isn't like an obvious point where it's it's been too much. You know, people don't know. They don't see this coming. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this story of like, well, I knew things were bad, but, you know, I thought we were okay. I knew things were bad. I thought we were okay. And all of a sudden, there's a straw that broke the camel's back, and suddenly somebody can't do it anymore, and now this is the place that we're at. So I just wanted to start there, folks. And like I said, since this was anonymous, to use it as a, as a, as a teaching moment and just to say – to, to prevent anybody else from wanting in the same situation before we answer this question, which is if you are recognizing problems, jealousy, hurt, arguments, this kind of stuff going on in your relationship, like do not put stuff off for later, like do the work, put in the effort, get the help, do what you need to do, turn things around. Now, I'd wanted to do that. Do you want to start on what to actually do from here?
1: Yeah. So how do you want to approach this as far as like?
0: So what would you say to, so so as a general thing, I guess somebody whose partners are at the point of wanting to separate with them, where would you go from there?
1: So obviously this has kind of taken a pretty serious step. This is not just like hypothetical. We're getting to the point like they're they're actually going and talking to people and, and seeing what those steps are but they haven't taken those steps yet. So the first thing I would do is I would, I would ask to sit down and and ask them like, what it is that they are needing a change around, right? Like, what is it? And and don't get defensive, don't get upset, like actually be curious as to, because, and I'm not saying that your partners don't have problems, right? Our relationships are always a co-creation, but if they're saying, hey, you know things would be easier because you're bringing things. What are those things? Find out what those things actually are. If you are really like blindsided if you're not really sure what it is. And from there, figure out a plan to tackle those things. Because the big step there is you can't make pro- you can't make promises and you're not going to like mend things if you don't have a plan to fix what Is causing your partners to want to push back and push away
0: So here's what's bad and here's what's good about this situation. Your partners are obviously serious They've talked to a bank. They've talked to a lawyer like they're serious, right? Um, The good news is that they have said they would like things to work out someday The danger in this is going into a separation first off It's hard to say without like a more formal conversation if a separation is the ideal right now um Either way though, whatever the answer to that is, going into a separation without an actual solid path forward to fixing things is... It just, it's the way to guarantee that you do lose any final chance to repair this, right? Um, separations where things aren't improving and there isn't a plan for things to improve. Now we're living apart. Now, you know what? It's kind of pretty calm without you here. This is kind of nice. We feel a lot more relaxed. And pretty quickly, it's easy to get used to the idea of you being gone. And now you, there, they're that, that bit of we'd like things to work out someday very quickly becomes, eh, maybe not so much. And I'm just going to be super honest and blunt because this is not a situation to, to like piddly around and tell you nice things right when when what you need to do is, is is hear how to fix it so um you need to you need to come up with a plan and, and what i would say to you you know what cassie said is absolutely right so a couple of things number one you need to find out they want things to work what would that look like for them what would need to change in you and what you're bringing in how you're behaving for this to work that's number one number two you would need to decide and be committed to fix that in yourself like i, I can tell you And again, we kind of talked about this earlier, but good, bad, or indifferent, if all three are coming to you with problems that you need to change in you, I'm not saying you are the only problem, but I am saying that the way to fix this is going to be, if nothing else, that they're going to need to see some change and progress in you first before they're probably willing to put a lot of effort in, right? Um, And then the third piece is going to be you need to get help. Like, you've been struggling with these things for three years, if you could have fixed this and navigated this on your own, you would have already. Clearly, you can't. And now you're at the bleeding edge of losing it all and you continue to do what you've always done. Or you can actually get the help that you need to fix this. That's it. And I, like, I'm saying this with love and, and I haven't talked to you personally. I'm also saying this for anybody else that's here in this place, like this isn't just for you, that's the way with all these questions. But if you've been trying to fix it for years, it hasn't been working, you know, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. If you could have dealt with this on your own, you would have done it by now. If you had the tools, if you had the capability, you would have already solved it. You wouldn't be at this point of them talking to lawyers, of talking to banks, right? So what's great is you have one shot, and I'd say probably one shot remaining here to fix this. They, they, they told you that, you know, they want to separate, but they've also told you they would like things to work someday. But the only way that you're going to take advantage of that is to start doing things drastically different. And that's going to involve putting the relationship first. That's going to involve absolutely committing to changing, to doing what it takes to heal this and it's going to involve getting help. And that's it. That's what you need to do. Have the conversation with your partners make the commitment in yourself that you're going to make the changes cuz that's what's going to have to happen in the situation and get the help you need to make that happen. What else, Cassie?
1: Oh, I I only had one other thing to kind of like chime in with this is one of the things we see when we talk to those in relationships, whether it's a group, whether it's it's a couple at the point where partners start actually detaching and looking at these things. You have to have a plan for moving forward. You can't just be saying, I'm going to fix these things.
0: They've been hearing you say that for years. They've
1: been hearing it far too long. If they're at the point where they're talking to lawyers, they're talking to, she said bank. Yeah, bank, right? Like at the point where you're going through that process of actively trying to figure out how to remove someone from your life, you're past the point of like words meaning nothing, right? So... At this point, when we see people separate, like Josh was talking about how a separation doesn't have to be the end of a relationship if there's a plan for how to mend that. But if you have no plan, that's at the point where a lot of people give up because they are, they've they already detached that much.
0: And here's the last thing that I'll throw in here. And again, Cass has had the conversation with you. I haven't, so I don't know what's been there. But I do talk to a lot of people in these situations. And, and one thing, fallacy, that I hear people fall into is they go, oh, well, you know, getting help, like that would require resources, that would require investment, you know, like there's a lot going on right now, I might have to be moving out of my house, like I this, I that, right? And I I gotta, to anybody who's out there in that situation, like if that is the conversation that you're having, you're having the wrong conversation for two reasons, right? Number one, because being in this kind of situation is exactly why you need to fix things because as you go, right, Um, you know, as you're in situations where you're getting divorced, where you're, you know, going through $30,000 in legal fees for lawyers, you're splitting up houses, you're dealing with child support, you're dealing with alimony, you're separating out, you're getting two separate places and now splitting up the bills and the utilities and all that. This gets very expensive, very quickly. So if all you want to look at is money. Fixing these problems pays for itself, but it really isn't about that. And that's why I'm saying it's the wrong conversation. Like when you're talking about losing people that you love, when you're talking about losing your home, when you're talking about losing your kids, that is the wrong conversation to be having. So, you know, anybody here, anybody in that situation, this is why I I said this before, like whether it's you, Anonymous, whether it's anybody in this situation, there has to be a defiant commitment to stop doing what you're doing and to make a change and to heal the relationship and to save your family or it won't happen okay um we reached out to you already so if you want help reach out but anybody else if you are in a situation where you want help whether it's that and and that obviously is maybe the most breaking point tipping point Serious conversation in here, but honestly like even even these other things like I I could have I could have thrown this in any of these You know, you're struggling with jealousy like you're in a monopoly relationship You don't know how to get your partner to deal with it
1: Yeah, a lot of the conversations that we have with folks that are at The anonymous person's you know point started off with a conversation that was like I don't know if I can deal with these feelings or what do I do if my partner, you know falls in love with someone a lot of this stuff starts there And very quickly turns into much more serious conversations, scarier conversations.
0: Yeah. So if you need help helping people heal this, save things, save their families, build thriving relationships, you know, and that's a lot of people we talk to are right at the brink. A lot of people are earlier on in their journey and things haven't gotten that bad yet, like whatever. But that's exactly what we do. If you're like in a spot where you are committed to navigating things in a healthy way, we're happy to help. Go ahead, book a call. Um, we can chat and figure out where you're at, what's going on, like what would need to happen to fix things, to make sure things are safe and secure with your, you and your partners and your family. Um, you can just go to a touch of forward slash talk. It'll take you to our calendar, grab up a time. Like I said, we can hop on chat. It'll be the best 45 hour, 45 minutes hour. I, I air more on the hour side <laughs> that you've ever spent talking about what's going on and your family and it's, it's free. So Like I said, hop on. It'll take you to our calendar. Do that. Grab a time. Um, It'll take you to an application. Like, fill out. Get some info that we need to prep for your call. And we'll dive in and figure out, like, what is going on, what needs to happen to heal things. Okay? But these were great questions, folks. And what I love about doing these Q&As is that, I mean, you know, you you pinged 300 people Mm -hmm. out of an 18,000-person group. You got you know these responses back plus a few more Mm -hmm. right but i mean how many people out of the 300 out of that eighteen thousand, or out of you know all the hundreds thousands of people listening this like how many people do those questions apply to like how many people are in the exact same place
1: i'm i'm sure there is plenty of people who are in the same exact place as as many of, of of the questions that we had being like oh i am struggling with these feelings or i am concerned about my partner
0: and that's why we do like doing these because it isn't, it isn't about, you know, Tino or Therese or Katarine or Kylie or, you know, the last, the anonymous person that we answered or the other anonymous person. Like, it isn't about that. These are, these are human challenges, right? These are things that people run into. And so being able to use these, you know, answer the questions, obviously help folks out. But the teaching moments for everybody who's listening to this, like, that's a lot of fun. So we should do a few more of these. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Definitely pick these back up. But like I said, folks, you need help. A touch of forward slash talk happy to help and other than that we are going away for training here next week although we will have a show coming out yeah. and we will see you all here again very soon
1: yeah
0: awesome all right have a good one Thanks for tuning into today's show. We release new episodes every week, so make sure to subscribe.
1: If you're ready to transform your relationship and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with us, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about an hour, and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. What's really not working in your relationships, what your dream relationships would look like, and a step-by-step plan to close the gap and save your family even if nothing has worked before. We talk
0: with hundreds of non-monogamous folks like you every year, and here's the truth. Building loving, thriving relationships, that doesn't happen on its own. You need expert guidance, make that happen. And unfortunately, when you're building relationships outside the box, that's impossible to find. And we get it. But that's exactly what we do. We've helped clients all over the world save their families, get the passion back and become best friends again.
1: So if you want to see if we can help you do the same, head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk. I'm Cassie.
0: And I'm Josh. Let's talk soon.